0: Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion. On this podcast, we learn about recent discoveries of species that are new to science, but not necessarily new to nature. We ask scientists how they found these new species and why they matter. We learn about what makes a new species and hear some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. So join us as we explore the biodiversity of our planet and the scientists who help us better understand it.
1: Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion, and I'm here with Dr. Henrik Enghoff, Professor of Zoological Systematics and Zoogeography at the Natural History Museum of Denmark, University of Copenhagen. He's here today to tell me about his paper, published in Volume 918, of the European Journal of Taxonomy, in which he and his co-authors describe a mountain of millipedes Welcome, Henrik. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here.
1: In your correspondence with me, you shared that over the years, you have described 472 new species of millipedes and 22 new species of mushrooms. That's that's really impressive. Could you please share a little bit about yourself and your work?
2: Yes. Well, as you said yourself, I'm at the Zoological Museum belonging to the Natural History Museum of Denmark. And I have been here for many, many years, more than 50 years, actually. And uh, over this time, I have done a lot of research, including describing all these new species of millipedes and in the lately also of fungi. Uh, one might wonder why I am also doing fungi. This is because these fungi are tiny little ones which actually grow on millipedes. So everything is really about millipedes. And there's not a lot of people in the world who work on willypedes, and there never has been. And that's one reason that we can still discover so many new species, uh, especially in the tropics. There are really mountains of them everywhere.
1: And this is actually the 11th paper that you and your colleagues have written about this specific mountain range.
2: Yeah, I mean, this paper that we are talking about, as you said, it's the 11th in the series, in which I describe the millipede fauna of the Utsungva Mountains. The reason that I'm focusing on these mountains is that our museum here in Copenhagen, we have a special interest in this mountain, and we have part in the feed station there, and many of my colleagues have been collecting there for decades. Well, Embarrassingly, I have never been to the Utsunqua Mountains myself. I have been to other mountains in Tanzania, but not to the Utsunqua. But my colleagues have, as I said, collected lots of millipedes over the years. This 11th paper is special because this is the first in which I also collaborate with the FOSS project, the Forest Restoration and Climate Experiment project, which is a big international project which focuses on. Rainforest Recovery, with a special view to the role of lianas. And uh, they work in four or five places around the world. And one of the the focal sites are the Utzungbe Mountains. So in connection with that project, force staff and students have again collected lots and lots of millipedes. They chose the millipedes as a proxy for the entire soil or forest floor fauna. And uh, one reason that they did that, I'm sure that's because there was an expert available who actually knows these mountains and their millipedes and who was interested in, in working on them, which I was and which I am. Um, so that, that's the reason, that's the context that this new paper fits into. First, my, my ongoing project with the Utungva millipede fauna and second, the force experiment.
1: Now I'll turn to the millipedes themselves. So, um, so they are members of the family Spirostreptidae. It has about a hundred genera, and it's sort of an interesting family.
2: Yeah, I mean the Spirostreptidae is a family of cylindrical millipedes. I mean they look very much like how ordinary people conceive of a millipede: a long cylindrical animal with plenty of legs. Spirostreptidae can be very large, up to 30 centimeters in length and 2 centimeters in diameter. But some of them are much smaller. And the ones I have been working on for this paper, they are much smaller. Maybe later I can show you a specimen so you can get get an idea of what what they look like. Um, You mentioned yourself that they have about 100 genera. And in each genus there can be many species. So they have many hundreds known species, plus a lot of unknown ones. I mean, now there are five less unknowns and five more knowns uh, after this paper, but I can tell you that I still have on the shelves behind me that you see, I have numerous undescribed species of Spider including some very large ones. Actually, after I completed this, the paper we are talking about, I have published. A small paper about a very large millipede, also from Tanzania, not from the Utrunkwes, more than 20 centimeters long, uh, a very big one. And I'm currently working on a second new giant millipede. So there is lots of novelties to be found. The family is distributed mainly in tropical Africa and tropical America, Central and South America. A few species have made it into the the southern United States of North America and uh, another few species have made it into North Africa, the south coast of the Mediterranean Sea and also the Middle East. But basically they are African and neotropical, meaning South and Central American. And we really don't know how this distribution pattern has come around. But there they are and there are so many and They are very nice. Many of them are also popular as pets. People keep them in terraria. Uh, They are relatively easy to to breed in in captivity. So so that's another nice aspect about them.
1: And can you tell us a little about the Utsungwa Mountains?
2: Well, the Utsungwa Mountains, they are the largest mountain block in a system of ancient mountain blocks called the Eastern Arc Mountains which are mainly in Tanzania with a a few outliers in in Kenya and also, depending on definition, uh, Malawi. Uh, And these mountains are particularly interesting because unlike the more well-known mountains of Africa, like Mount Kilimanjaro, they are very old and they have had a relatively stable climate over the millions of years, which means that they have had the time to develop a very, very rich Endemic fauna and flora, meaning species that occur nowhere else, and also because of climatic cycles, where the forest has expanded when the climate has been wet and contracted when it has been dry, there has been a, many of the of the millipedes and other organisms. They have had their distribution severed into smaller uh, parts, which means that different species have been able to evolve in different parts. Later, maybe they could come together and mix, and then maybe later again, they would be separated again. So this way, a lot of speciation has been going on in these mountains. So they are incredibly rich, uh, and we are not only talking about millipedes. There are also lots of endemic plants. There are endemic mammals, including monkeys, birds, reptiles, frogs, toads, uh, what have you. Virtually everything people look at from these mountains consists very much of endemic species. So that's why they're interesting. And of course, because they are so rich, it's necessary to do something to protect them because it is such a rich and productive ecosystem. Of course, people also want to exploit it, which is natural enough because they have a lot of natural resources in terms of timber and and uh, you can use them for agriculture and what have you. So one has to strike a balance between exploitation and preservation. And by studying the plants and animals of the mountains, we can give a, a better informed background for making choices which part of the mountains must be preserved, which part can be, maybe be given up to commercial forestry or agriculture or, or other uses.
1: And you spoke a little about FORCE before. They collected these millipedes. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, when and where these millipedes were collected and and sort of what that process looks like?
2: Yeah. Well, as I told you, I I have not taken part in the collecting work myself. But uh, the FORCE people, they have, I think they started in 2018 and they finished the collection activities in twenty one. Uh, so they have selected a number of plots in the Udzungwa Mountains uh, where they have well collected millipedes, but also done all other kinds of of measurements of the trees, of the lianas, of the soil properties, and and everything. So the fourth project is, but it is a kind of a very big ecological study, and an especially interesting thing they do they study the influence of the lianas because it is a general observation that if you have a nice piece of primary rainforest you cut it down for timber or whatever and then after some time you leave it and then a so-called secondary forest will develop and this secondary forest will very often be a clutter of lianas uh, almost impenetrable uh, which means, and that will hamper the regeneration of the proper rainforest. So in the force experiments, they are are trying to see what happens if we go in and manually remove the lianas, what will happen to the regeneration of the forest. Uh, So that's one major object of the force project. And uh, in order to get an idea of what's going on, not only with the trees themselves and the lianas themselves, they are also studying other things. And as I mentioned, they have chosen the millipedes as representing the forest floor and soil fauna. They are comparing the millipede uh, fauna under these different treatments. And, uh, well, I have got this big material of millipedes, several thousand specimens which I have identified, not, not only these five species, but many others which have not yet been published. So that's one side of it. That's my side of it. But other people in, in the force, they are analyzing the millipedes occurrences from an ecological point of view. How many specimens, what stage were they in, uh, all depending on on well, the treatment uh, with regard to lianas and, and many other parameters. I have no idea what the results of this study will be, but the analysis is ongoing.
1: It sounds like a, a really successful collaboration.
2: It's it really, really very good because I mean, I love to get thousands of millipedes sent to me, and they, they love to have thousands of identifications of millipedes that they can use for their ecological studies. So it's, it's very good. And uh, you can see, th- th- this paper now has a lot of co-authors, uh, the one we are talking about. And these are in part the, the leading figures in, or one of the leading figures in the force uh, project, Professor Andy Marshall from Australia, and uh, his PhD student, Alain Uh So they are, they are the main force partners in, in this part of the project. And all the others, they have been involved in, Collecting and sorting, organizing and preparing the material, which has been a huge work. So therefore, they they also are, are co-authors of this paper.
1: And I'd love to break down the results of this paper with you because there's there's quite a lot going on. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a very exciting paper. Um, so so first, you you redescribe a genus. Can you talk a little bit about that process?
2: Yeah, I mean three of the new species belong to a genus which was already known. You can't say that it was well known because until a few years ago it was known from one species described not from the Utsungfa but from the Uluguru mountains which is another of those blocks in the eastern arcs and nobody had seen anything of the genus or that species since then. Then I got hold of some specimens which clearly belong to the same genus, but it was an undescribed species. That was also material from the Uluguru Mountains. And together with a Tunisian colleague who is now working in Austria, it becomes very international. I described the second species in that genus and, so to say, redefined the genus. So when I found these new species from the Utsungwa, it was clear. Well, here we have some new species of this genus, Atemso streptus, which incidentally is named after one of the biggest millipede specialists of the world, Count Carl Atems, who also worked in Vienna. He was actually the pre, 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 predecessor of my colleague who originally came from Tunisia, but who is now in Vienna. So it was clear that these three new species belong to Atemso streptus. So I wrote a description, and because there are now five species in the genus, I constructed an identification key. Identification keys, that's something that is really useful, because, I mean, if anybody else is going to work on these millipedes, that will be the first thing they are looking for. Is there an identification key? Very often, there isn't. But uh, now at least we have one attempt to of and we have three more species.
1: It's incredibly useful, and even for a, a person who does not study millipedes like myself, I, I really enjoy looking at the keys because it gives you, I think, an, a real appreciation for the work that you do and all of the little bits of morphology that you focus on.
2: Yeah, I mean, keys are important because one, one thing is that I write some very technical descriptions that I can understand and maybe 10 or other people in the world can understand. But we also need our want our results to be used more widely. I mean, if there will be another ecological project in the Utsungbas or elsewhere, it will be useful for people who are not specialists in millipedes themselves to have a means to to arrive at an identification or to realize that what they have found is probably another new species, which happens very frequently.
1: And speaking of new species, you have five new species in this paper. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are these three new species of Attentostreptus. Then there's one new species belonging to another genus, which is Lophostreptus magombera, And finally, there is a new species, which also belongs to a new genus, Utzungva streptus marianae. Um, And why did I erect a new genus? Well, the first thing you do when you find a new species, you try to fit it into an existing genus. Um, And quite often this this is possible, but quite often it is not. And in the case of this Utzungva streptus, I was so lucky that relatively recently, meaning in 1978, that's relatively recently in, in terms of millipede taxonomy, uh, a couple of French colleagues they actually made a review of this entire group of spiral-shaped millipedes, the ones that I called the Trachystractuliform ones, and they defined the genera and they revised all the old species and they made a, quite a nice system. And then when I found this little uh, species, I could see that it didn't fit in anywhere. I used the French key to genera and I ended up somewhere that, which didn't fit anything. So I decided to create a new genus for this species. And well, it was natural to call it Utsunga streptus because we are dating with the Utsunga mountains and streptus is, is a common, ending of a name in this family, spiral streptody i think streptus in in greek means something with, with it is spiraled or something like that uh, and this, this they often do if you disturb them they will often curl up in the spiral so that makes sense so a lot of genera in the family they end with streptus including the new one
1: I, I'd also really encourage people to take a look at the images in this paper because I I think millipedes are beautiful and I think the pictures are are absolutely beautiful.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there's there's one problem with with this this paper and many others, which means that I don't really have many images of the live specimens. And this, I actually have one. Uh, this, the first illustration in the paper, it shows a plastic tray with a selection of specimens collected in the, by the fourth experiments, And there you can see what some of those millipedes actually look like in life. Uh, then there are also some photographs of uh, preserved specimens. Uh, for scientific use, millipedes are preserved in ethanol. And this way they they, they can keep for hundreds of years. They will lose the colors, but you can still look at them and you can dissect them and you can describe them even after a long time. I have been involved in the description of some new species of millipedes, not in this paper, but in others. uh, Species which were collected more than a hundred years ago and nobody realized it was a new species. But then together with, well, again, this colleague in Vienna. Uh, we discovered, oh, this ancient specimen is an undescribed species. So we described it with a more than 100 years delay, you can say. But coming back to the illustrations in the the paper we are talking about, most of them are scanning electron micrographs, means images taken with a scanning electron microscope, which is a fabulous instrument. Uh, You can use it to depict surface structures at even very very high magnifications. For, for my purpose I haven't used very high magnifications but the images are, are really nice. I like them too and uh, I'm lucky to have access to a scanning electron microscope here in the museum and I have used it so many times that now I'm allowed to operate it myself. So I have spent many 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 hours down in the basement with the scanning electron microscope, uh, making those images. So that's how, how these, these images have come along. And you can see that, that most of the images, they show rather obscure parts of the millipedes, especially the so-called gonopods. The gonopods are modified legs, which are used by males, as copulatory organs Um, well, millipedes do have a lot of legs Um, in this group of millipedes the eighth pair of legs in adult males are modified so they don't look like legs at all they look very strange and these are the gonopods and the nice things about gonopods from the scientist's point of view is that they are very different between species In many cases, the only difference, morphological difference you find between species are in the gonopods. Therefore, they are so important. And therefore, there are so many images of gonopods in my paper.
1: I know there's a little bit of a story about the type material of Lophostreptus regularis. Could you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. Um, Lophostreptus regularis is a species that was described in 1909 from Mount Kilimanjaro by the before mentioned Count atoms, By the way, uh, I had lots of material of this species, which is no longer called Nothotheristes regularis because there was an older name, and in the taxonomy you always use the old name. So now this species is called Lophostreptus tersus. This name was coined by an American myriapodologist in 1895. So we have to use this name, which means that Lophostreptus regularis became a synonym. But in order to be absolutely sure, I requested the type material of Lophostreptus regularis which uh, is distributed between three museums. There are some specimens in Vienna, where ATEMS worked. There are a few specimens in Berlin, and there are a lot of specimens in Stockholm in Sweden, because ATEMS's work was based on material from a Swedish expedition to Mount Kilimanjaro. So I requested this material and looked at it. And then among the type specimens from the Stockholm Museum, there was one species which was not Lophostreptus tersus as it should be called now. It was clearly different from all the others. And lo and behold, it was an undescribed species. Furthermore, my colleague in Austria looked at some microscopic slides that count atoms have made from specimens back in 1909 of of gonopods, of course. And on one of his slides, there was a set of gonopods which were exactly similar to the gonopods of the specimens I had found in the Stockholm material. So together, my colleague Nesreen Akari and I, we decided, well, why not make a story out of this and describe this new species with more than a hundred years delay. Based on the specimen from Stockholm, and the slide in Vienna. So this we did and published it, well, last month, I think the paper came out. So that, that was a nice spin-off of my Utsungwa work.
1: It's just another reason why museum collections are so important. You yeah. never know.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, it is, is this a bonanza, a treasure trove of Things you, you can still, if you can't go on, a, on an expedition for whatever reason, you can just go the, to, to the collection there. You will find lots of stuff to look at. I have said although I have been here for more than 50 years, in our collection there are still more than enough new species to keep me busy for the rest of my life and uh, much longer than that. But then that would be somebody else's problem.
1: You'll pass the gift on.
2: <laughs> I hope so, yeah.
1: Speaking of types, where were your types for this paper deposited?
2: They are deposited in our museum. Uh, This was a decision that was made for several reasons. You could say it would be natural if they would be deposited in a museum in Tanzania where they come from originally. The problem is that Tanzania does not yet have the infrastructure to take care of such material. So it was decided and approved that the types would be deposited here. Also because my co-authors from the fourth experiments, they are, are—they are, as I said, they are ecologists, they are not associated with the museum. Uh, and since we already have here, the largest collection of millipedes from the Eastern Arc Mountains, including Utsungvas in the world, it made sense to put the type material here as well. And w- when you put the, material in a public museum like ours. That means that they are accessible for everybody to look at. We still do send type material out if if somebody wants to to study a type, to look for some characters that the original author, in this case me, was not aware of. Um, And even in other museums, they are more restrictive with, with sending type material out. But then you can go to the museum and look at them on the spot, or they can provide uh, high-quality photographs, which in many cases is sufficient. We, we do, in order to facilitate use of our collections, we are trying to digitize everything, which is a huge, huge process. We are doing that in collaboration with other museums all over Europe. We are part of a very big digitization initiative called DISCO, which stands for Distributed System of Scientific Collections. And under DISCO, we have a Danish branch, which is called DASCO, which is Danish System of Scientific Collections. And we have, we have got a substantial grant from the government to digitize our collections, which means that it will be easy for people all over the world to know exactly what, our, what is in our collections. And to ask for specimens or to ask for images, uh, ideally there will be images of all the attached specimens, but that's a little bit into the future.
1: It sounds like there's plenty of more work to
2: do. There is. And I mean, there's an army of people digitizing specimens in our museum right now. But we have more than 13 million specimens, so it takes some time.
1: It's quite a bit of work to do the description and the digitization and the the protection of all of the material as well. Uh, Why do you think that species description is important and and why does your new species matter?
2: Well, as as we said some uh, time ago, I mean, in, in this case, the results are used for ecological studies and ultimately they are used to provide a better knowledge base for deciding about land use. I mean, it is well known that nature globally is under pressure from humans in many, many ways. And we want to preserve some for, for many, many reasons. I mean, some, some of the species out there can be uh, useful. They can be medicinal plants, they can be other uses. But in order to make the, the best, best informed decisions, we really need to know what is there. We also want to know why are they there? I mean, we need to analyze the history of, of the fauna, and we, we also need to know what every single species is doing in the ecosystem. Millipedes are so-called detritivores, means that like earthworms, they help to recycle dead uh, uh, vegetable matter, fallen leaves, rotten trunks, et cetera, et cetera. But they do that in, in, in many different ways. Uh, so we, we believe it is important to know as many of the species as possible. We will probably never know all species. Right now, it is estimated that two million species of living orga- organisms, plant, fungi, animals have been described. And that many times this number still remain to be discovered out there.
1: I hope there are Plenty more millipedes for you to describe.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'm already working on issue 12 in this series. There will be <laughs> four other new species <laughs> belonging to a different family. So you're busy. I'm busy. And <laughs> I like to be busy with, with this kind of work.
1: That's wonderful. Well, I'll certainly follow your papers and look forward to that 12th edition. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure.
2: It has indeed, and good luck with it.
1: Henrik Enghoff's paper, A Mountain of Millipedes, Number 11, The Trachystreptiform Spirostreptids of the Ozongwa Mountains, Tanzania, is in Volume 918 of the European Journal of Taxonomy. See the episode details for an open-access link to the paper and a transcript of this episode. The description also has several links of Henrik's other papers, which are recommended reading as well. To learn more about Henrik and his work, you can check out Project Disco at www.dissco.edu, which aims to
0: make Europe's natural history collections digitally available to all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Species Podcast. This podcast was created by Brian Patrick and is edited and produced by Zoe Albion. If you would like to support us, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash newspeciespod. And if you'd like to get in touch with questions or feedback, please email us at newspeciespodcast at gmail.com.